Luke chapter 18, and let's look at verse 1. And I want to talk about prayer, and I want to approach it from the perspective of grace. Okay? Because when we think of prayer, the first thing that comes to my mind is how much I don't pray. How about you? <laughs> when someone says we want to talk about prayer, I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about something that I don't do enough of. But I don't want to do that this morning, because that's not the perspective that we're going to be speaking about here. I want, to, I want us to read Acts, uh, I keep saying Acts, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Now Jesus was telling, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible. Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable. And I like this because the book of Luke here is prefacing the parable by giving the main point first. And I like that because he's telling that Jesus is, Luke is telling Jesus, telling what Jesus is going to say before he says it. And he says that to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. And that is, in the King James, it says to pray and not faint. And that's quite a tall order, isn't it? Pray and don't faint. We look here at prayer, and when we think of prayer, we're thinking of, we understand what the Bible says, that God communicates with us through his word. God has spoken to us through his word once, hasn't he? And it's amazing that God has established his relationship by saying the first word, that it's just it's by grace in our life, and it's not by something that we can attain. And I think that we love grace, we, that our theology is grace, and we tell people it's all grace. But I think that when we get to the topic of prayer, we just step out of the grace zone, and we step into works. Like, I gotta pray more, I gotta do more of this. I'm not praying enough, I don't have enough faith. And it's just not the heart of God in the matter. When God communicates with us through his word, he has given us grace as a mean of communication with himself. And this is prayer. This is prayer. This is what I want to talk about this morning, is that God has spoken to us through his word. This is how God talks to us. God has chosen his word, his logos, to speak to us as the primary way of speaking to the believer. God doesn't speak to us primarily through any other ways. He may, but the primary means of, of communication to you and I is through the written word. And I'm so glad that it's written down because without it being written down, we would not know what is the mind of God. Sometimes people say, well, I don't hear from God in my life. I just want to ask you, uh, do you hear from God in your life? And do we make decisions in our life based on hearing from God, or do we make decisions based on what I think is my preference or my opinion? Well, prayer is that opportunity where we can commune with God. And I just want to look at this here, that men always ought to pray and not faint. But before I hit that verse, I want to read something that Ian e. Bounds, one of my favorite writers on the topic of prayer, he said this. I'm going to read the, the, the paragraph to you. God has his own motive, or God has his own motion placed himself under the law of prayer. Now listen to this. This is amazing. God has placed of his own motion, placed himself under the law of prayer and has obligated himself to answer the prayers of men. Now, I don't know what your what I don't know what your theology is, but this is so interesting the way he says this. He has ordained prayer as a means whereby he will do things through men as they pray. Okay? which he would not otherwise do. Now, do we see that in the Bible? We do, don't we? If prayer puts God to work on earth, then the 
By the same token, prayerlessness rules God out of the world's affairs and prevents him from working. The driving power, the conquering force in God's cause is God himself. He says in his word, Call on me and I will answer thee. And and who the great mighty things which thou knowest not. God's is this is God's challenge to prayer. So prayer puts God in full force into God's work. Isn't that beautiful? God has chosen to limit himself to the prayers of men. The God who can now does God is God limited in sovereign in his sovereign limited is he sovereignly limited? No, he's not limited. He can do anything he wants at any time he wants. He's sovereign, isn't he? But in these matters, there are some matters that God has chosen to limit himself to the prayers of men. I think sometimes we can complain about our country, complain about what's going on. But one thing that we can do, one thing that we can do is that we can pray and we can release God into our home, into our family, into our neighborhood, into our community, into our city, into our state, into our country. Prayer changes things. I'm such a believer in prayer. I want us to do, I want to do a little exercise with you. We don't normally do something like this, but I want, I want everyone to take out a piece of paper and a pen. And if you don't have paper and pen like I do, I don't have paper and pen, take out your digital device or open up a, open a new notepad on your, on your device. And if the, person's next, if the person next to you is not doing it, then make them do it. <laughs> Unless you're married and you guys can do it together. Take out a pen and paper. This is going to be a... This is going to be a 10-second exercise, okay? It's going to only take 10 seconds. Everybody got something to write with? Paper, pen, anything? Okay. Who doesn't, who's not ready? All right. What I want you to do is because the minds, we don't think in words. We think in pictures, don't we? I was, the other day, I was just driving home, and I drove by Whataburger and I saw the <clears throat> I saw the restaurant and I cast down that thought <laughs> and I'm driving along I'm casting it down you know thinking okay and it's just that picture in my mind of a burger that I had there a few weeks ago with, with Daniel Post and and um, Oleg was in my mind was was Wes there with me were you with okay Wes was a wise man he wasn't with us in that time and we went in there and we had a Whataburger and we sat down and that, what a burger that was that was a great burger <laughs> And uh, and so uh, and so I was thinking like the last few days, uh, I just this picture came to my mind. It wasn't words. It wasn't something that somebody said to me. It was a picture of a burger. And then last night, about ten o'clock, I succumbed to that temptation. <laughs> I got in my car. My wife's not here, you know, so I'm hungry. <laughs> so I started driving to whatever. Blame it on your wife. Yeah, blame it on my wife. <laughs> Honey, I hope you're not listening to this right now. That's okay. She's not a food Nazi. And I just, I bought that thing and I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. <laughs> and I drove home and this morning I paid for it. <laughs> we think in pictures, don't we? I want, us to, I want you to write down, you can draw, either a draw a picture, but just for the sake of time, I want you to write um, five words when I say the word prayer, when I say prayer, I want you to write down five words of the picture that comes to your mind. Just the picture. Got it? For me, when I did this last night, I was going for a walk after that big burger. I went for a long walk. And I just thought of prayer. And I thought, what's the first picture that comes to my mind? 
and I said, okay, there, and I described it in five words. So starting now, write down five words in the next 10 seconds of whatever that picture that comes to your mind. Go ahead, I'll give you 10 seconds. Just five words. Got it? You guys got it? Okay, why did I do it that way? Because the first picture that comes to our mind is usually the concept that we have inside, deep inside of what we think something is. When we say prayer, when I did this last night, when I said, okay, what's the first picture that comes to my mind in, in 10 seconds about the word prayer? You know what it was? There's an old, old picture that I had seen on somebody's wall somewhere, old, old picture. It was an old man and he was sitting by a table and he just had an apple and he had like a, a loaf of bread and he was just praying. That's the first picture that came to my mind. The second picture that came to my mind was Jesus in the garden. I want to, I want to, I want to take that concept and there's no right or wrong answer in this. So please don't feel condemned if you don't feel you write down, wrote down the right thing. But very often the concept, the picture that we have of something is usually the way we think it is. And it's not necessarily always what the biblical description is of something. I think that most Christians, including myself, can very easily have a concept that's not biblical about prayer. That it's something that I have to do for God, that I have to attain to God, that I have to, in some way, work to reach God. I like what Ian Bounds said. He said, what the church needs today is not, more, not better machinery or more machinery, not new organizations or new novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use, people of prayer. Amen? Mighty in prayer. And this is what I want to, I want to communicate the burden that God gave me last night when I was just thinking about this topic. What we need today is men and women, husbands and wives, single people, young people, that learn the secret of prayer. You know what the secret of prayer is? Is when God can, when you get quiet, when you and I get quiet before God, and we hush ourselves, and we continue, it takes me about 20 minutes to do this. And if I have time, I just do it like I just get quiet before God. I'll kneel or I'll walk, and I just get quiet before God. And I don't, I don't, I don't become aware of a presence. I just begin to think about the nature of God. Because some people practice kind of this Eastern version of prayer where they get quiet and they're just waiting for a presence of some kind that can actually become very demonic because the presence of the presence that comes to you may not be god it may be something else maybe something demonic but we begin to focus on the nature of god we take a bible i like to pray with my bible open because my mind wanders and i just look at a verse that stirs my heart i just get quiet and i just think about a verse that really touched me or touches me and I just get quiet, and I'll begin to think about God. I sometimes think, I love to open the Gospels where Jesus touched a man with a withered hand. Or when, when uh, I don't know what it, whatever it is for, that does it for you, but when we think about an aspect of the nature of God, of the nature of Jesus Christ, and I get, I get quiet, and then you know what happens? I begin to say, God, I just, just forgive me of my brokenness. Forgive me of everything that's just... I don't say this in a condemning way. I just say, God, I am what I am. It, just, uh, it is what it is. And you have saved me in, in Romans chapter 5, not from what I did, 
to do to salvation, but you draw me, you drew me to yourself. And it was your idea, this whole salvation thing in the beginning. It wasn't my idea. And I just get quiet before God and I say, God, forgive me of all my brokenness. You know, I'm a pastor. I've been a believer since for, for many years. And every day I do this. I just have to say, God, forgive me of my brokenness and my limitations. And then I get quiet before God and I just begin to think about his nature. We could talk more about that later. But I think that God wants to give his burden to you and I. Do you want God's burden in your life? It's not a heavy burden. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, 28 and 29. It's not a heavy burden. It's a light burden. Because you know what? The burdens in this world, the burden for your family is way too heavy to bear. The burden for my family is way too heavy to bear. The burden for this church is just too, way too heavy for me to bear. The burden for your situation, your financial situation, is, is way too heavy for you to bear. Uh, the burden for, your, for the political situation in, this, in, this, in, in, the, in our country is way too heavy to bear. The burden that we bear, the burden of our personal failures or our, or our besetting sin is too heavy for us to bear, let alone the burdens of other people. I think when Jesus was on that cross and he was bearing the sins of the whole world, I think I would explode in just trying to bear the sins of my own family. <laughs> I would just lose it. I don't think I would make, I would make it. Jesus bears the sins and the burdens of not just today and not just this, this century, but think of the beginning of man, Adam and Eve. Think of Adam and Eve's family, the descendants. Think of Noah and his sons. Think of civilization. Think of all the races in the world. Every country in every part of the world today, and not just to what's happening today, but thousands of years and every sin and every murder and every, every um, curse and everything that was ever done, Jesus bore that on himself. That's a burden that we don't have to bear today. And that's what sets us free to pray. Hebrews chapter 10, it says this. It says that, that God has removed by his blood, I'm just paraphrasing this, that we would have no longer any consciousness of sins. When you come to church here, don't be conscious of your sins. When you sit down and have fellowship with somebody or talk with someone on the phone, don't be living in the consciousness of your sins because it's been paid for. Because if you and I live in the consciousness of our sins, there's no praise going up. There's no worship going up. There's no hallelujah going up. There's no faith. There's no boldness. And there's no wisdom. I think the first thing that we have to remember in prayer is not to take the wrong burden. God's not giving us a burden that we can't bear. God is giving us a light and easy yoke. Sometimes, one time someone asked me and they said, I don't know how you do what you do or I don't know how you people do what you do because I can't even bear my own burdens and you're, you're pastoring people and you're bearing all their burdens. I say, for me, it's a very easy yoke. Sometimes it's heavy. Yes, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's heavy, but I know where to put my I know where to put my burden. I know how to cast my cares upon the Lord. And when we cast our cares upon the Lord, and we can take on His easy yoke, we can take on His easy His easy um, His easy vision in our life. I think that we can tell when we're bearing the wrong burden is when we lose our joy, right? When I lose my peace. I just know at that moment when I'm anxious, do you guys know how you, you guys know what's happening in your soul when you're anxious? <laughs> Somebody said to I, I said this before, but someone said, if I could just know 10 or 20 seconds before I'm going to blow up, that I'm going to blow up, then I won't blow up. And, and there is, there are these signs or whatever it is, blow up, whatever we do to release the frustration. 
there are signs in our body, our body is starting to communicate to us. That can be tension, weight on the chest, flushed cheeks, whatever it is. We feel ourselves getting anxious. You know what we do? We just go to the Lord and say, God, I'm just going to cast this right now on you. I'm going to cast my cares upon you. I'm just going to cast it all upon on the Lord because I can't carry this burden. If you're in your car or if you're with your family, I do this with my wife. I say, honey, this is too heavy for me to bear. This is too heavy for us to bear. Let's just get on our knees and cast our cares upon the Lord. You know, we got to do that. We got to do that with our family. Because if we don't, we're not able to take the burden of the Lord. What is the burden of the Lord? It's easy and it's light. The, and I hadn't planned to really talk about this much, but when we look at the yoke, right, in the, in the Middle East, Middle Eastern times, the times when the Bible is written, they would take two oxen. One would be much stronger than the other one. The other oxen would be weaker and you would be learning. And this is the kind of yoke that's being spoken about in Matthew chapter 11. It's a learning yoke. And that's the yoke that we have with Christ. It's called a learning yoke. It's not the yoke like, okay, two, two huge beasts are going to just pull this, pull this load. But it's a learning yoke where, where, we are, where we are yoked up with Christ and he is pulling all of the load and we're yoked up with him. And we have no, we're like, we are just following him. We're just following in his footsteps. And that's how ministry is. If I lose my joy in my ministry, if I lose my joy in what I'm doing, if I lose my job, uh, not my job, my joy in my job, then it just means that I'm bearing the, I'm bearing the burden that, that I'm not supposed to bear. Cast your cares upon the Lord and learn how to do that. I just love the story in the Old Testament where the king of Israel, he is, he is faced with the potential invasion of the Syrians. And, he, and I believe it was Hezekiah. And he gets, the, he gets this letter. He gets this email. He gets this text message. Whatever you, whatever you want to call it. He gets this message from the enemy that they're coming. And so he takes it. And he, and he goes to the tabernacle, the house of the Lord. And he lays it before the Lord. He spreads the whole letter out before the Lord in the presence of the Lord. And he says, Lord, this is what's going on. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. this is, and he just falls on his face before the Lord. When we get bad news... When times are getting tough, when we're down and out, just put it before the Lord and just say, God, this is yours. I can't deal with this. And when we could, because you know what? The things, when we worry, when you and I worry, guess what's happening? We're not giving it to the Lord. We're holding on to it because we have control issues as every one of us in this room. If you're a human being, then we, have, we struggle with control issues because we're out of control. We're dying every day. Our body's getting older and we're losing control, aren't we? And so worry and anxiety and fear, this is the... This is the nature of man trying to control the world that he lives in until Harvey comes, or until Irma comes, or until the earthquake comes, or until Las Vegas happens, or until Nate happens. God is reminding us, and he's mind reminding us in so many ways that the world that we live in is out of control. As we prayed in the beginning of the service, it's God is on the throne. God is on the throne. I, I really want to believe that today, don't you? God has a job for me in the future. God has a ministry for me in the future. God has a baby for me in the future. God has a marriage for me in the future. Whatever you want to put there, you put whatever you want to put in that in that blank there. God has for you something. And let's just rejoice. Let's re relax. Cast our cares upon the Lord and not take life too seriously. Because in the get in the end, guess what happens? We all exit horizontally, don't we? <laughs> We're not going to survive this life, guys, right? We're just not going to make it. And that's okay because 
I don't know, maybe we can extend our life another 10 years by eating healthy and exercising and stuff, but there's a day, the day is coming. If the, if the rapture doesn't come, then we're not going to make it. And it's a burden that we can't bear. Luke says, Luke is introducing Jesus saying, men ought to pray and not faint. You know what that word faint means? Prayer is binary. Faith is binary as well. Do you know what binary means? It's either on or off. Faith is not something quantitative, right? When, in, when the disciples asked Jesus in the book of Luke, Jesus said, forgive your brother, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. And Peter's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Increase my faith. Why? Because Peter was having a secret conflict with John, right? That's what I think. He was confl- you know, Peter was like this go-getter. He was just like, let's just... He was just out the door even before the door was open. John was this intimate kind of a guy, a thinker, you know, a feeler. He's like a very, you know, like... And these two guys, they just... Their personalities, I mean, they were just struggling sometimes. Comparing each other with each other. And, and John was telling everybody, Jesus loves me the most. And Peter's like... <laughs> Peter's like, well, I'm the one that Jesus told me I'm going to build his church. And so a lot was going on there. And Peter here, Peter's saying, oh, increase my faith. Peter's thinking quantity. You know, sometimes we look at our bank account and we see the bills and then we see our bank account and we're like, something doesn't match here. This doesn't work. This is not the way faith is. When we approach a situation and we're just like, I don't have what it takes. Ever been in that situation before? I have. Like all the time, I'm just thinking, do I have what it takes? <laughs> you ever ask that question to yourself? Do I have what it takes to lead this family? Do I have what it takes to run this business? Do I have what it takes to plant this church? Do I have what it takes to do anything? Do I have what it takes to lead? The answer is no. We don't have what it takes. God has what it takes. Because God has called us and God will equip us. Peter says, Lord, increase my faith. Faith is binary. It's either on or it's off. It's not quantitative because Jesus Jesus says right after that, he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed. He's not talking about how many mustard seeds you have or how much emotion we have or how much energy we have for God or for people. He just says, if you trust me, even in the simplest way, if you just say yes, and that's all I can say, then God... We take one baby step towards God, and he's already running miles towards us. All you have to do is just say, okay. God, I can't, I don't have victory of this sin in my life. Just say, God, okay, okay. I I present myself to you as a living sacrifice. And when we do that, guess what happens? God begins to move. Prayer, that's that's prayer. I want to get to that in a minute. Faith is not quantitative. Faith is not quantitative, it's binary. And prayer is also binary. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Pray and don't faint. Prayer or fainting. Prayer or fainting. That Greek word fainting is is ekkakao, which means, and I don't think I said that right because I'm not a Greek speaker. Sounds like I just said koko in another language. (laughs) Ekkakao, which means out of out of bad or out of intrinsic evil or out of out of out of the bad thing which means this is that is that if I'm not in prayer then I'm in another zone where I'm functioning out of my old sin nature and I'm going to give people my flesh and this is what this is what this is what Jesus says that the alternative to fainting is just prayer 
the alternative to throwing in the towel, I don't know what you say here in Texas, we say up in up north, we just say throwing in the towel or whatever, just calling it quits, or saying shucks and going home. You know, when we want to throw in the towel, draw near to God. And how do we do that? How do we pray? Like First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, pray without ceasing. One of the shortest verses in the Bible. And one of the most impossible verses in the Bible. <laughs> pray without ceasing. But there's several different kinds of prayer. And the prayer that's being spoken about in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 to 17 pray without ceasing. You know what that means? It means that I, I'm holding my mind fast to God. It's like I have, I have like something in my mind, a determination, that may not even be conscious, but it's there. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been in some kind of a race or a competition, and you are in the midst of this, you're, you're, exerting, you're exerting energy, you're doing your best, you're not thinking con- Constantly, but you have that measure of determination in you, right? And it's there. It's just that baseline. This is what God is talking about, pray without ceasing. That attitude where I'm leaning in, my disposition is leaning into God. I may not be conscious of it all the time, but I'm just leaning into this. And this is something that I'm leaning into in my life. This is what prayer means. It means that I'm leaning on the Lord, it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It means that, I'm leaning on something. I'm leaning on the, on the stability of something else. Pray without ceasing. Prayer is binary. I want to I wrap this up with a verse. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And I want to talk about when it says pray without ceasing, what does that mean in practicality? We established already that God, in some ways, in some matters in our life, has limited himself to our prayers. I was talking to Pastor Jomi on the phone today, or two days ago, I'm sorry. And he was sharing this verse with me, and it just blessed me so much. And this is an example of this. Is that when you and I go through something, usually God first gives us a Bible verse, doesn't he? He gives us a verse of some kind when we go through something. And this verse... God wants to make this verse real to us. And when we're going through some hard times, when we're taking steps of faith in our lives, many of us in this room are taking steps of faith towards God. And when we do that, guess what happens? Resistance is going to happen. Resistance is going to happen. The devil's going to push back. You start making decisions for God in your life and in your family and making decisions for God in your business, Guess what's going to happen? The wind's going to start to blow, and these seemingly unrelated circumstances are going to suddenly pop up in your life, and you're going to be like, wow. And my, that's happened to my dad when he got saved. Everything went wrong in his life. Everything went wrong. My dad was like, man, I thought life would get great, and I'd have the abundant Christian life. But everything just went to tubes, literally. I remember I was 11 years old, and my dad got saved, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it was just unbelievable. But you know what? You know what happens? is that God sometimes asks us this question, and I want to ask you this question today. How much do you want what you're praying for? Like, many times Jesus asks people, I don't think we're going to get to Matthew 7, so that means next week we're going to have to hit Matthew 7. Jesus many times asks people that he was going to heal, or he was going to do a miracle in your life. Jesus says, how much do you want that? And I'm not talking about how much faith do you have. He says, how much do you want that? Faith is not only intellectual, and faith is not only heart, but it's a mixture of, of 
heart and head. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a holistic approach. Jesus asks, Jesus asked the man with the withered hand, what would you like me to do for you? Here's a man comes up to Jesus with the withered hand. Can you imagine the scene? I mean, it's quite obvious what he needs, right? And Jesus says, what can I do for you? God's not assuming things in our life. He's asking the man, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in spring? What do you want me to do in your family? What do you want me to do in your business? What do you want me to do in your health? What do you want me to do in your life? Jesus asks us that question. And Jesus says, I mean, the the man says to Jesus, I want you to heal me. Very simple, isn't it? Sometimes the pushback happens, and we would say it's the devil, but naturally, no, it may not be the devil, because everything is not the devil's fault. Sometimes God allows hindrances to come, because he sees that there's a division in our heart about certain issues. He says, I don't know how much you want that. Do you really want that? And I'm not talking about the power of success or positive thinking. I'm not talking about that because that, that's out there. I'm talking about, is there, there a cry in our heart where we cry out to the Lord and we say, God, I have nowhere else to go. I have no one else to talk to. <laughs> Only you have the words of eternal life, Jesus. That's what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus gave him an exit. He said, there's the off-ramp right there if you want to stop following me. And Peter said, where else are we going to go? We are in this. We're totally in this. Well, one heart. All, all of our heart and all of our mind are in this. God, we have nowhere else to go. And Jesus asks us that question. And he asks us, how much do you want this? And we're like, okay, maybe I don't want this so much. I have to go back and I have to reevaluate. Is my heart in this? How much of me is in this? And then, and then what happens is that through, and this is Acts chapter 14, verse 22, through many tribulations and trials, the kingdom of God is established in our life. Guess what happens? Difficult times will happen to establish his kingdom in our life. Tough times are going to happen. And we can be the kind of church that just kind of like just floats through life and just has the newest, greatest thing, which I would love to have that. Or we can be the kind of church where, you know what, the kingdom of God is getting established in our life because sometimes times are tough and we just move forward. And, you know, we step, we step forward and we say, okay, I want this. And I'll close with this. I remember, I remember going on a mission trip uh, to Turkey with uh, Pastor Schaller and a group of people. And I was just kind of following the team along. I, I wasn't the leader. I was just kind of following along and doing what everybody was doing. And we flew from Budapest to, to Turkey. And I just remember landing in Turkey. We, we approached the, the passport control. And I just remember getting there. We had to pull out our passports. I never forget my passport. I just never do that. And my passport is missing. I don't know where it is. All the guys have already gone through. They're waiting for me on the other side. And I can't find my passport. How many of you have done this? You've gone through your bag three times. You can't find it. Like you're looking for it. And just, you know, and the team over is on the other side. We're like, hey, we got to go because we're going to miss this meeting. You know, good luck. <laughs> I was like, okay, great, you know. And the, and the Turkish border guard was saying, we're going to put you back on the plane because you don't have a passport. We have to send you back to Budapest. And I thought, great, I'm going to go back to Budapest with no passport. I guess what that means. I'm going to the clanker. You know, there's nowhere for me to go. So I'm just thinking, like, God, what is this? And so I, I went into the men's room, and I was just kind of, like, praying, like, God, you know, what's happening here? This is confusing. This isn't what, you know, I just... And God, I remember the Holy Spirit just asked me this question. Are you... He said, I was praying, like, God, I'm here, like, on this thing. I'm doing this thing with these guys. And, you know, why, why is this hindrance happening? And God asked me this question. How persuaded are you that this is the will of God? that you're on this trip. I go, wow, good question. 
Because when there's trouble, I always go back to the bottom line. What is my conviction about what I'm doing? Is this God's will? You know, And so I, I said, okay, God, speak to me. Is this your will for me to be on this trip with this group of guys, you know, and to do this seminar in Turkey and minister to these Muslims and these, and these, these guys who just gotten saved? And I just got this piece from God. It took me about 10, 15 minutes. I'm in the men's room. You know, guys are walking in and out. And they're just kind of wondering what I'm doing. I'm just kind of pacing back and forth, you know, in the men's room, praying. And, you know, I was like, I don't care what they think. I'm just going to pray. And so I was like, okay, I got peace from God about this. This is God's will. I'm supposed to be here. I not only do I know intellectually, but it's in my heart, too. And I, I was like, okay, God, I did business with you. This is God's will. So I, I'm leaving the men's room thinking, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm going to leave the men's room. I left men's room and there's a lady standing there, dressed in blue, one of the border guards. And she has my passport in her hand. <laughs> she goes, we found this in the plane under your seat. Isn't that amazing? God sometimes allows resistance to happen to see how persuaded am I about what I'm doing. I'm not saying that if you don't have full confidence it's God's will, that it's not God's will. I'm just saying that tough times happen so that we can have a persuasion in our heart that this is God's will. And this is the way prayer is, is sometimes when we pray, if we have a plan B in the background, then God's not necessarily going to answer that prayer. In the, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, when we see David and other men and women of God crying out to God, that Hebrew word for cry means a prayer with no plan B. It means I have no other, I have no other choices in my life. <laughs> this is either, God, either you've got to come through or I'm dead in the dirt, right? That's the kind of prayer that God answers. And if we have all these other, we've all done it before, like, God, I'm just praying for your will, but I secretly I'm praying you're not going to answer that prayer because I want to do this over here. <laughs> you know, I pray that prayer. I don't, I don't know about you guys. And God doesn't answer those kind of prayers because he knows our heart. And through trouble, through difficulty times, God reveals to us what our burdens are. And he says, that's not my burden. I want you to cast it upon me. And I just, you know, I know that our building is kind of in interesting condition. But I love everybody's joy. I just love it. You know, I just love people's patience and and uh, I walk in here sometimes, and I'm, like Neil said, we got to speak to ourselves. we got to speak uh, life into ourselves. We have to talk to ourselves like David talked to himself. We have to talk to each other in faith. Because you know something? Nothing grows fast in Texas except for weeds, right? <laughs> Good things take time to grow, and we need to grow roots. And this is how we grow roots. Amen? Did you share Oh, no, Psalm 17, verses 1 through 5. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you, God.